Welcome to the Old Time Radio Superman Show from Reynoldsburg, Ohio. This is your host, Adam Graham. Yep, we are on the road in a Columbus suburb uh, today. If you listen to the great detectives of old time radio, you'll hear more details about that. But if you do have a comment, email it to me, adam at adamsweb.us, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. Also, pick up your copy of the Powerhouse Heroic Adventures Bundle. It's an introduction to the world of Powerhouse, a hero in the superhero comedy novel series. You can check it out as an ebook or also as an audiobook through audible.com or the iTunes store. Now it's time for today's episode of Superman. The original air date, July the 7th, 1948, and this one is The Voice of Doom, Part 1. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman begins one of his most dangerous adventures as, in his guise of Clark Kent, he receives an alarming midnight phone call. Uh, uh, All right, all right. Hello. Hello, Clark. This is Bruce. Who? Bruce Wayne, Batman. Oh, oh, hello. I've got to see you right away. I need your help desperate. Oh, well, of course. I'll pick you up in front of your building in 15 minutes. Gang, supposing you were walking down the street one day, loaded down with a dollar you'd earned, and suddenly a stranger comes up to you, gives you the glad hand, and makes a proposition. Well, one dollar, one small dollar, the tenth part of ten dollars, he says, I'll sell you this beautiful box I have in my hand. Well, you look and you see it's a big, interesting-looking box and all nicely wrapped up in red, white, and blue trimming. The only hitch is you can't see what's inside. Now, honestly, would you give that guy your hard-earned buck for a fancy package that contains you don't know what? Well, you'd need your head examined if you did. Because only a sucker would buy a package without opening it and seeing what's inside first. Now, ideas are pretty much like packages. And people are always trying to sell you ideas, which all too often are wrapped up in fancy trimmings that you can't see what you're buying. Also, more often than not, their favorite colors are red, white, and blue. Well, don't you be fooled, gang. Don't fall for this old dodge. Be smart enough to examine each idea for what it's worth. Inspect it carefully and evaluate it before you accept it. For you know that no matter how beautifully an idea is wrapped up in patriotic lingo, it isn't patriotic, it isn't American, if it is designed for you to think that one man is better than another because of his race, religion, or where his people came from. It isn't American if it suggests that you stop a man from speaking his mind just because you don't happen to agree with it. So always take a good look at the inside of an idea, boys and girls, and never mind the outside wrapping. See if what it really means is worth believing in, and then buy it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Creeping tendrils of fog curl and fillow over the rooftops of Metropolis as Clark Kent, whom we know as Superman, emerges from the front door of his apartment building and steps into the sleek, streamlined Batmobile alongside his friend Batman. But before Kent can voice the questions that form on his lips, Wayne guns the engine and the car roars down the street. 
after they have sped through the city of Metropolis and have reached the four-lane state highway in the suburbs, does Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman, finally relax and turn to Kent. Thanks, pal. Okay. You like telling me the score now? Sure. Only it's such a fantastic story, I hardly know where to begin. Well, suppose you tell me where we're going. To a laboratory up in the mountain. A sonic laboratory. A what? A sonic laboratory. S-O-N-I-C. Where they're experimenting with high-speed sound waves. Oh. Trying to transmit them to the moon. What? Sounds fantastic already, doesn't it? Well, it does. These are pretty important experiments, Clark. I don't know all the details, but it's got something to do with measuring the planet. Getting a clear picture of the topography. All by sound waves? Yes. It's something like radar. Oh. Well, there are three men living up there. Two scientists, Dr. James Vance and Dr. Harold Gordon, and a lab technician, Carl Johnson. Uh Uh-huh. The day before yesterday, I went up to see Carl. Robinson, Chicago. Oh, I see. I arrived pretty late in the evening, and a thunderstorm had broken over the mountains. Well, it was about 10 o'clock, and we were all sitting around in the shack they used for living quarters, just chewing the fat, and the storm got worse and worse. Think this will last all night, Carl? Can't tell, Bruce. Sometimes they break up as quickly as they start. Sometimes they last for hours. Well, I certainly hope it's clear tomorrow. I want to start transmitting early. Well, can't you transmit anyway, Dr. Vance? No, it's much too dangerous. You see, Bruce, we use hundreds of thousands of volts of electricity every time we turn on the equipment. And with all the electricity in the air... You can imagine what would happen if lightning hit the antenna while the transmitter was on. Of course. Now, listen to that. The storm center must be right over us. Hey, what's the matter with the lights? They're dimming. Maybe a break in the power line. Huh? Well, what is it, God? There's someone in the laboratory. What? But there couldn't be. There is, I tell you. The door's wide open and the pilot light on the transmitter panel is burning. Great, Scott. That's why the power here is low. Come on. Hurry. Believe me, Clark, four men never got through a door as fast as we did that night. I'll bet. We didn't even stop for our wrinkles. Just charged out into the storm and ran like the devil for the lab. Uh Uh-huh. When we were halfway there, a bolt of lightning flashed right over our heads. I heard the air around me literally sizzle. It was gas. I can imagine. Go on. Well, the lightning hit the antenna on the lab roof. In the light, I could see the outlines of two men standing like statues, their arms thrown up to the ceiling. They must have been struck by thousands of volts of electricity. Uh Uh-oh. Carl and I recovered almost instantly, and we raced into the lab. Hey, you were taking a chance with all that voltage. Well, we didn't think of that, Clark. We were lucky, I guess. Yeah. We didn't know if the men were alive or dead, but we carried them back to the shack and began working on them, applying every form of artificial respiration we knew. sign of life, Bruce? No, not yet. How about the other one? Dr. Vance? Yes. Is he coming around? No, I'm afraid it's useless. We've got to keep working. Phone is dead. We can't get a doctor up here until morning. By that time, it may be too late. I wonder who they are. Why they broke into the laboratory. Well, their clothes are pretty ragged. Any identification? No, their pockets are empty. Uh, Hey, hey, this one's coming around. Really? Yes. Uh, Yes, I can feel his pulse now. I... I can't, Butcher. I can't. What did he say? Wait. I'm tired. Gotta stop. Can't He's go. delirious. Maybe he can understand. Uh, Wait. Can you hear me? Who are you? Harry. Harry the monk. Harry the monk? What kind of a name is that? Where did you come from? Where do you live? Who, who wants to know? Listen, Harry. You're badly hurt. We want to help you. Nobody. Nobody helps a con. Don't kid me. A con? What's he mean? He's a convict. You just want to turn me in again. I I won't let you. It took us months to figure this break. You won't put us back there. Butcher, butcher, help me. Don't let him. Him. 
it again, Clark, and a few minutes later he died. There was nothing we could do for him. I see. And the other one? There was no change. He wasn't alive, he wasn't dead. Seemed to be held in some sort of suspended animation. Golly. Well, with what Harry the Monk told us, we were able to fit some of the pieces together. He and the other one, Butcher, had apparently escaped from the state prison. About five miles from the lab, and when the storm broke, they tried to take shelter in the lab. I see. One of them must have accidentally turned on the power, and then the lightning hit them. What did you do then? We decided we'd better get in touch with the authorities, so I started to town in my car. I was using my old convertible. Yeah? Well, I got halfway down the mountain road when I was blocked by a washed-out bridge. There was no other road, so I had to turn back. When I got to the lab again, there was a change in butcher. The convict they were still working on. don't understand it. I've never come across anything like it before. Has he improved? Yes, Bruce, he's alive. Breathing fairly regularly, too. I think we've saved him. Well, then, what's bothering you? Come inside. How is he, Dr. Vance? Well, respiration is better, but I can't stand much more. Huh? Can't stand what? Get a little closer, Bruce, and listen. What in the world is that strange noise? It comes from his throat, Mr. Wayne. What? Let's get out of here. I can't stand it. I couldn't believe it, Kent, that such a strange, unearthly sound could come from a human throat. I watched him carefully for a minute or so. Then I found the noise was giving me a bad earache, so I left the room, too. Couldn't you figure out what was causing the sound? No. There was no reason for it. No natural reason, anyway. Huh. Well, for the rest of the night, we took turns watching him, and by morning, he was conscious, though still weak. So I started out again, trying to reach town. This time you made it, I presume? Yes. The bridge was still out, so I had to swim the river. It was pretty tough going, but I reached town late in the afternoon and got in touch with the local police. What they told me frightened me, and that's why I came to you. What did they tell you? The man we were holding up in the lab was Butcher Stark, a convict who'd escaped from the death house. A homicidal maniac. One of the most dangerous killers in the country. Bruce Wayne stares ahead grimly through the windshield, and his foot presses even harder on the accelerator, sending the Batmobile roaring down the highway, gulping the miles to the mountain laboratory. What will he and Superman find when they arrive? We'll know in a moment, gang, so keep listening. Gang, at the request of a few listeners, we are repeating some swimming tips from Soichi Sakamoto, one of the world's greatest coaches, who believes that everyone past the age of five can and should swim. And to overcome a prevalent fear of water, the great coach advises that you go to the shallow part of the pool or beach, hold your breath, and duck your head underwater. Keep your eyes open under the water and look around. Do this a dozen times, says Sakamoto, and you'll find your fears are drowned. Next step is to learn to float. Walk out waist deep, squat until your shoulders are underwater, hold your arms above your head, and slowly lean back until the water makes a pillow for your head. Then push from the bottom. Your feet will rise and you will drift along as smoothly as can be. Now then, as soon as you can float, you can swim. Try it by beginning with an overhand stroke, kicking six times for every two strokes. From then on, it's just a question of improving your style. Make sure you relax when you swim. Don't fight the water. You'll speed along faster if you roll your head easily from side to side as you take in air. Don't hold it stiffly out of the water. Let your arms bend naturally at the elbows as you lift them for each stroke. And here's another tip. Be sure you breathe properly. Inhale on the left side and begin exhaling the moment your face turns down into the water. Make sure you perfect your all-important kick. The power should come from the thigh and ripple through the flexed knees to the toes. Your feet should barely break the surface of the water. Well, there you are, gang. 
How to Become an Expert Swimmer, as told by an expert coach. Now, go out and try it. But remember, never go out alone. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Soaring through the night to a mountain laboratory in the powerful Batmobile, Bruce Wayne continues his weird story. After I told the police that Butch's start was at the laboratory, they promised to send a squad up after him right away. But I was still worried, and that's why I called you. Oh, I'm glad you did. How far away are we now? About another 20 miles. Oh? Well, listen, I think time is a pretty important factor right now. Why not let me take over? Let you take... Oh, yeah, of course. Pull over into that side road there and leave the Batmobile. I'll get us up to the lab and nothing flat. <laughs> The lab is up ahead, on top of that mountain. Right. I see it. So there's the river I had to swim. See the bridge? Yes. Hang on. We're going down. I still can't get used to this sort of thing. Now, come on. Let's go inside. Carl? Dr. Gordon? That's funny. Great, Scott. In the next room. What? Are those your friends? Good heavens. Dr. Vance, Carl, what could have happened? We're too late. Butcher Stark is gone. Gang, there's plenty of action tomorrow in this exciting story, so don't fail to listen. Be sure to hear Chapter 2 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Adventure Parade, which follows in just a moment. And right after Adventure Parade, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston Straight Shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. <laughs> 